Hello beloved and welcome to our evening message and what I would like to do with the evening message is just to spend a little bit of time with regards to worldview. What is my worldview? My worldview is basically the glasses that I use through which I look at the world. So I look at everything around me, I look at my family, I look at the church, I look at uh, government, I look at education, I look at everything um, around me through the glasses of my worldview. Now, if I have a secular humanistic worldview, that means that I will, for example, embrace evolution. So I will believe that the world was created um, over a period of, of millions and millions of years. I will um, not accept the fact that um, there was a worldwide flood. Uh, rather, I will embrace what uh, secular humanism says about it. But if we have a biblical worldview then it is a completely different story. Because a biblical worldview means that I look at the world through the eyes of Scripture. Everything I see, everything I do, everything I, um, how can I say, I, I, I take to heart in my life is based on Scripture. Right? That's a biblical worldview. So what I would like us to do is to 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 read together 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 to 19 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 to 19 a beautiful passage of scripture uh, and it actually helps us to understand a little bit of and this is kind of uh, I can say foundational to a biblical worldview right before we pr- uh, uh, read 2 Timothy chapter 2 let's have a word of prayer Heavenly Father, thank you that we can go to your word and find in your word how we should live, what should be important in our lives, all those things that that we need to have to basically live the kind of life that is pleasing to you and to stand out as believers in this evil, godless world that we live in. So I pray, Father, as we look at a biblical worldview, I pray that you will Help us to understand. Help us to take it to heart so that at the end of the day we can apply what we learn from your word and what we learn with regards to a biblical worldview that we can apply to our lives and live in accordance to it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 to 19. It says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Very important. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Not be approved to the world or approved to the church or approved to anybody else, but to be approved to God. And then he says, Paul says to Timothy, he says, A worker who does not need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And here we go. So rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. Okay. Hymenius and uh, Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overflow, or they overthrow, sorry, the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
There's this solid foundation that God knows those who are His. And those who are not His, obviously they are not going to have a biblical worldview. They're going to have a secular, humanistic worldview. Now, I want to say this quickly so that we can have a, a good solid foundation when it comes to worldview. A biblical worldview is not the same as a Christian worldview. Now, people talk about, no, I've got a Christian worldview. You see, a Christian worldview can be different, depends on the kind of denomination that you belong to. So from denomination to de- denomination or church association to church association, your Christian worldview can differ. It can even differ from Christian to Christian, the, the, the Christian uh, worldview. Uh, I believe that all born-again believers, every single one of us, should embrace and live according to a biblical worldview. All right, so question is, what is a biblical worldview? So let me give you a few things that basically distinguishes a biblical worldview from a Christian worldview. Because remember, there are many, let's call them denominations. The Catholics call themselves Christians. Sometimes they don't. There are Catholics that call themselves Christians. Some don't. Uh, Seventh-day Adventists, they call themselves Christian. Even the Mormons, they call themselves Christians, some of them. So, the Jehovah's Witnesses, there are many groups. The Zionists, they call themselves Christian. And then we have nominal church groups, you know, um, where they are so far from the truth of Scripture, they've embraced so how can I say, so much of worldliness and, 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 and um, how can I say, tradition that you can't really see the biblical worldview that they follow. All right, so when we look at the biblical worldview, we are basically saying a biblical worldview is basically seeing, understanding, and responding to everything in life through the eyes of Scripture. Let's say through the glasses of Scripture. So it's seeing, understanding, and responding to everything in life through the glasses of Scripture. So what we do is we put on Scripture when we look at everything in this world. Whether we see it, whether we want to understand it, whether we want to respond to to things in this world, everything in life, we look at it through the eyes of Scripture. Now, God's Word has actually been inspired in such a way that we are able to understand and respond to everything in a biblical way or biblically. Psalm 119 is, I believe, most probably the best place where we find a biblical worldview. I mean, of the 176 verses in Psalm 119, each verse actually has something to say about God's Word. Because God's Word is foundational to a biblical worldview. We can't have a biblical worldview if we do not base what we believe and what we see and what we think and what we understand and how we respond if we don't base it on Scripture. We have to base it on God's Word. Now, that's why it's important for us to understand that a biblical worldview is seeing, understanding, and responding to everything in life through the eyes or the glasses of Scripture. But a biblical worldview can also be described as God's Uh, let's call it expectation for all his children. God wants us to base everything in our lives on his word. 
that's what God expects from us. God expects us to, to look at this world, to understand things in this world, to respond to things in this world. Um, God expects us to, to basically uh, look at everything in life through the lenses or through the glasses of Scripture. Okay, that's what God expects of His children. And, and the wonderful thing is that God the Holy Spirit will lead us in the way that God wants us to, to go, in, in the way that God wants us to basically um, view the world. If we are open to a biblical worldview, the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us and direct us that we will have a biblical worldview with regards to every aspect of our lives. And our lives will obviously reflect it. There are many people today, they call themselves Christians, they're professing Christians, but if you look at the, the glasses through which they view the world, it's very clear that they're not using Scripture because when you start confronting them on what they know about Scripture, they hardly know anything about the Bible. They know a few verses, you know, some of their favorite verses. They know some things about the Bible that they might have heard from the pulpit. Or they, you know, the little devotions that they've read every morning because that's the way they do their Bible study or their, their quiet time. But when it comes to where the tire hits the tar, you know, where the pulpit hates the fan kind of thing, where, where you've got to live in accordance to the Bible, they don't know how to live. They don't know what the Bible teaches about certain aspects in life. One of those things, for example, is this whole, uh, let's call it this whole gender issue that we find in the world today. The reason why the church is also embracing this, this, this spectrum of, of genders that exists is because they do not know Scripture. Because Scripture starts off right there in the book of Genesis and tells us that there is two genders. God created um, a male, that's the person of Adam, and he created a female, that's the person of Eve. That's how God created them. And he created them in his image. Okay, He created them male and female. That's it. So only two genders. Scripture teaches it. It teaches it, that's why I believe it, and that's why I will proclaim it, that's why I will say it clearly. Um, if people get upset with me, I'm so sorry, but get upset with me. My worldview is a biblical worldview, and in within my biblical worldview, God has instructed me and told me, and well, every single person who reads scripture and embraces a biblical worldview has instructed us that there's two genders, male and female, that's it. Two sexes, if you may. Uh, male and female. That's it. Nobody else. And marriage, for example, where nowadays they're talking about um, same-sex marriage and they talk about all kinds of unions between uh, people. And, and then those people can actually be from the, you know, from the same um, sex or the same gender. It can be two males or two females. Uh, people will say or they will say but that's marriage. No. Scripture teaches us that marriage is when a man leaves his family, clings to his wife, and the two of them become one flesh. And that is marriage. And from that marriage then comes children, if God blesses that, that marriage. And that's how the earth becomes filled. Yeah. That's how the f earth is fruitful, in the sense that it brings forth um, 
new people, male and female. It's logic if you take two males, let's say from the start, when God created and he created Adam and, and, and not Adam and Eve, but uh, Adam and another man, and he would put them into, into marriage, they cannot procreate. It's not possible because God created Eve. And Eve is the one who can have children. Adam can't. Adam is important, obviously. I mean, it's, it takes two. Uh, it takes a male and a female. But if, if it was two males or two females, the earth would not be filled with people. Okay, so my worldview, therefore, basically, uh, how can I say, determines how I look at gender how I look at marriage, but my biblical worldview will also determine how I, I view the world. For example, at the Tower of Babel, that's where God confused the languages because the people were building this tower to climb up to the Most High God and become like Him, and God confused the languages and then He spread them all over the earth. That's where all the languages come from. Okay, It's not as if People just decided one day, oh no, let me re, uh, you know, start a new language or whatever. All languages start from a specific point. And that is, it starts from uh, the Tower of Babel. That's where we have it. And by the way, all races, people say, oh no, there are different races. No, there's only the human race. And we all come from two ancestors, Adam and Eve. That's what the Bible teaches Right, so we come from Adam and Eve, and everybody, even Cain, now he killed his brother, but he, he got married later on, which means that basically he married his sister, one of his sisters, because Adam and Eve had other children. Scripture teaches us that. All right, so, and in those days, the, the DNA, uh, the genetic, uh, how can I say, genetically, uh, Adam and Eve were perfect before they sinned, and then. Their genetics became corrupted through sin, but they still had good, um, you know, genetics. And it was possible. So we can say, well, but that's incest. Yes, it is incest. Exactly. But that's how it was done. So where did Cain get his wife? He got his wife from one of the children of Adam and Eve. Okay? Because everybody comes from Adam and Eve. Why do we have all the different languages? Because of the Tower of Babel. Okay, so it, it, is, it is because of my biblical worldview or because of a biblical worldview that I say what Scripture says. Uh, one of the, uh, another thing is, for example, if we um, refuse to believe that there is a flood or there was a flood, then we can say, oh no, things was created over millions and millions of years, which means we had death before we had sin. Huh? And uh, according to Scripture, no, we had sin before we had death. Because God said, if you eat of the tree, then you will surely die. But what does evolution come and say? No, no, no. Over millions and millions of years, it was survival of the fittest, and people died, and uh, or let's say animals died, and plants died, and even people died, or where we come from, they say we come from ape-like creatures. Uh, at the end of the day, they all died, which means that we have s uh, death before we have sin. But if we read Scripture, if I have a biblical worldview, I understand that God says, no, 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 no. Man was created perfect. 
he, when he created Adam and Eve, he says it was very good. The only thing he said wasn't very good was the fact that Adam had no helper. Yeah? He had no helpmate. He had nobody to, to uh, basically uh, complete him. And that's why God created Eve as his helpmate. And um, the two, Adam and Eve, how can I say, not, they are equal before God, but they are different. Their functions are completely different. And that's how it's been through all the ages. Right, so uh, it's, it's important when we have a biblical worldview to understand the world through a biblical worldview. And I cannot embrace evolution because um, of the fact that Scripture teaches me that Adam and Eve were created perfectly. God said it was very good. And then they sinned. And then the first animal died. An innocent animal to cover the sin of Adam and Eve. Oh, and by the way, at that moment when Adam and Eve, when they uh, were covered with the skin of animals, of an, of an animal as a substitute for their sin, nah, to cover their sin, that's when Adam and Eve started wearing clothes. So why do we wear clothes as human beings and animals do not wear clothes? Very simple. God is the one who said, well, who made the clothes for Adam and Eve so that they could wear it. That's why they wear clothes. That's why we have to wear clothes today. And that's why when we go into pagan nations and we preach the gospel, the moment when a, a person comes to saving faith, if that person is a Gentile, when that person is involved in paganism and, and all these kind of things, and, and these tribes that run around um, basically naked, that's why the moment Christianity comes in and we see what Scripture teaches, what happens? the people start wearing clothes. Why? Because God is the one who gave them clothes. Do you understand what I'm saying about the biblical worldview? I hope you do, because it's so important for us to, to understand why do we do things the way we do them? Why do we believe certain things that we believe? I believe it because God said it. For example, another example is when God created the heavens and the earth. If we go to Genesis chapter 1, I believe in a six-day creation. I don't believe in millions and millions of years. I don't believe in a gap theory. I don't believe in, a, in a, a big bang. I don't believe in those things because I believe that Scripture teaches us that God created in six literal days and in the seventh day He rested. That's why we still have exactly the same uh, institution that six days you can work hard. On the seventh day, we need to rest it is in our nature. It is how God created us to be, is to work for six days and to rest a seventh day. Now, what is happening in the world today? They want to make the weeks uh, three days or four days or five days, all those kind of things. No, God instituted six days of work, the seventh day we rest. So when we talk about a biblical worldview, we, we take whatever we see in the world, the way we look at the world, the way we... We interact with the world the way we do things. We basically do it through the eyes of Scripture, through the lens of Scripture, so through the, the glasses of Scripture. And, and beloved, let me tell you, there are people that feel that it's, uh, it's a little weird, a little awkward to believe what the Bible teaches. For example, the Bible tells us very clearly that God created the heavens and the earth first. And on the fourth day, that's when God created the sun. All right, but... Copernicus came along and he created a whole model to say that the earth uh, 
spins around the sun, okay? But the sun was only created on the fourth day. The earth is the center of God's creation, and mankind that's created in his image are basically the crown of his creation. Everything that has been created on this earth has been created for mankind, for people, created in God's image. That's the amazing thing about God's creation. And the earth, the way that God created the earth and, and basically stabilized the earth. In Job he says, um, were you there when I laid the pillars of the earth? Now the pillars of the earth doesn't mean an axle so that the earth can spin as quickly as it can. It means a pillar. It means something that stabilizes the earth. I do believe with all of my heart that the earth is stable. The earth doesn't move, but the sun does. Because later in scripture we read that the sun went back on its own axle. We, we, we read that the sun stood still. And is God confused when he says in his word that is inspired by the Holy Spirit that has no errors, that is all sufficient in all matters of faith and practice? If God says that the sun stood still or the sun moved back on its axle, doesn't God know what he's talking about? Even though he's the creator? So, I believe what scripture says. And yeah, people will laugh at me because I am unscientific. No, I, well, I don't care. I don't care if I'm unscientific. I believe I'm biblical because I've got a biblical worldview. I do believe with all of my heart the earth stands still. Uh, and I believe that the sun rotates around the earth. God's center focus of creation is the earth on which he placed people so that we can live. Because... We are created in his image, his likeness. All right, so same thing with where does sin come from? Sin comes from the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And because Adam and Eve was disobedient to God, that's how sin came into the world and that's how death came into this world. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve, there's a curse on this earth. There's corruption and there's everything that is around us. Um, deteriorates nothing improves by itself it deteriorates it takes energy it takes uh, strength and it takes hard work for us to create something or to make something and to keep it like that we have to put give input the whole time so that it can actually stay new or stay beautiful or stay the way it is otherwise it's just going to deteriorate why is that because of sin that came into this world so why does good, bad things happen to good, so-called good people? It's because of sin. You see, God has already given us, if you have a biblical worldview, God has already given us the reason why. There are so many suffer, so much suffering, so much pain, so much uh, problems in this world. God has given us the answers. It is in Scripture because of a biblical worldview. Right, so a biblical worldview, we can basically say that God expects us as his children to have a biblical worldview. Now, it, it's not up to us to decide that I, okay, I want a, a secular uh, humanistic worldview when it comes to these issues. I want to follow science when it comes to these issues. And then I want to follow the scripture when it comes to those issues. No, we follow scripture or we don't. We need to make a decision on that. All right, now, another thing about a biblical worldview is that it deals with all the issues that we will face in life. Every single issue 
whether it is by a direct command of God or whether it's by divine principle. Now, a direct command of God is basically the Ten Commandments, now the moral law of God, uh, or the great commission of the church to go out and to make disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. It's a direct command. There are many direct commands in Scripture, many direct commands that comes from Christ, right? So what we do is, if it's a direct command from God, we do what he says, and then it's interesting how it deals with the issues of life. But it can also come from divine principle, where we have certain principles that we live by. For example, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That's a principle. The principle is that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and I have to look after my body. So if I exercise, if I eat right, and if I uh, look after my body the best of my ability, then I am applying this principle to my life. There was a stage in my life where I really didn't care about this. I didn't really care about the fact that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And what did I do? I basically destroyed my body. And what was... what was I doing in the process? I was actually destroying the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. All right, so at the end of the day, it's important that we need to understand that a biblical worldview basically deals with all issues of life, whether it's direct command or whether it is divine principle. Okay, uh, what I'm going to do now is, let, let's stop right there. Um, God willing, next time we're going to continue to look at... Um, what a biblical worldview is, we're going to continue with that. Uh, and specifically, God willing, next time I would like us to, and the reason why I'm saying God willing, uh, or if it be God's will, is because God basically, through the Apostle Paul, gave us a direct command that um, don't just say I'm going to go there and there and I'm going to make, uh, go do business and I'm going to make a lot of money. No, say if it be God's will and I live. That's why I, I say that. Right. So, God willing, next time, what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, a biblical worldview which contains certain truths that we, we just cannot bypass. There are many truths, obviously, in Scripture, but I would like to share a few examples with you because I believe it's important for us to, to understand that. So, basically, that's, uh, that's looking at a biblical worldview. And, and I don't know how strong your worldview is when it comes to a biblical worldview. Beloved, but it's a good thing to, to go and search your heart. Go and search your mind. Go and search yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit to show you. How many things do you really truly believe? Uh, f- how can I say? From the Bible. And how many things are you actually embracing that secular humanism? humanism? Or it's just worldly. Or it's just sinful. Or it's just... Um, yeah, it's just a, a completely different worldview. We need to follow a biblical worldview. And the reason why we basically have to do that is because we are Christians. We are God's people. 
We are believers on the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe in the all-sufficiency of Scripture in all matters of faith and practice. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. If you don't believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, if you believe that the Scripture in its original form has errors, then you cannot have a biblical worldview because you are going to compromise with things that Scripture clearly teaches. But if you believe that Scripture is without error, and that scripture is all sufficient in all matters of faith and practice, if you believe that and you live by it, beloved, I can say to you without a shadow of a doubt, then you will have a strong biblical worldview and your, your, your actions will be directed through what you believe scripture teaches and not what the world teaches because the world doesn't teach what God teaches. It's normally a warped, like a, how can I say, uh, a half-truths and it's, it is truth, you know, covered with lies, or it's just deception. So we need to make sure that we follow or we embrace a biblical worldview. And we need to test ourselves to see whether our worldview is, in fact, a biblical worldview or not. So God willing, until next time, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name, and thank you so much that we can have a biblical worldview, because you've got You've given us your word. We have your revelation, and your revelation is true. And I pray, Father, that you will enable each one of us to not just um, embrace parts of your word, but, Father, that we will embrace your word, that we will embrace Scripture in its totality, and that our worldview will be based on what Scripture teaches, that we will have a biblical worldview. And that we not only live according to it, but when we answer and when we speak to people, we speak from our biblical worldview. Enable us to do that, please, Father. And as we continue, God willing, next time, if it be your will, if we continue to study a worldview, will you please enable us to, to understand and make it our own so that at the end of the day, we may glorify you in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray this. Beloved, thank you very much for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and may he give you his peace. God willing, until next time. Bye-bye.